Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, Son of God. That's the first verse of Mark's gospel, the beginning of the good news. It reads like chapter 1, verse 1 is the beginning. But when we get to chapter 16 and we hear those last eight verses of the gospel, the verses we just heard a moment ago, we realize it's all of 16 chapters of Mark that's the good news of Jesus Christ. But the story doesn't end at the end of the gospel. There's a continuation of the good news. You see, the story tells us that while it was still dark, and this morning when I drove up here, it was dark. While it was still dark, the women went to the tomb. They went to, to treat the body, to wash it, to bathe it, to anoint it with oils and perfumes. And when they got there, the stone was moved and there was a young man in white sitting in the tomb. More about him to come in a moment. And he told them, he's not here. He's been raised. Go back and tell his brothers. And it says that the women left seized by terror and amazement. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. 
But I don't think terror and amazement are the right words there. In the Greek, it says that they were seized with traumas and ecstasis. Traumas means to tremble. I don't know why the, the translators uh, translated that to mean terror. We, there can be lots of things that cause us to tremble. I'm a little cold right now and could be trembling, right? We tremble when we're excited, when we're energized. It's not just terror that causes us to, to tremble. But it's the word ecstasis that I really want to concentrate on because that's the important word. Ek means out of, and stasis means to stand. So the word literally means to stand out of. It's the word where we get ecstasy. And ecstasy is a very important theological term. It doesn't mean just to be excited. Terror and amazement is what they, they translated this word as amazement. It doesn't mean that. Ecstasy means to be drawn out of ourselves. The women, by experiencing the empty tomb, were drawn out of themselves. They began to realize that they were part of something way larger than themselves. They began to realize that, that they were part of a story that connects them with God, with creation, and with all of humanity. How do you, in that moment, speak about that? You can't. Words can't capture it. It's why the, the gospel writers, it's so difficult telling these stories. It's hard because it's about experience. But there's no question that those women are now the continuation of the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the beginning of the good news. The women now are the continuation of the good news. And let me speak about that man that young man dressed in a white robe, a white gown in the tomb. You see, in the other gospels, it's an angel. But in Mark's gospel, he doesn't use the word angel. He uses the word young man, neoniskos is the word. Well, that word is only used one other time in Mark's gospel. It's in chapter 14. If you have a Bible, grab your Bible, look up Mark 14, verses 51 and 52. And what you see is, is the story of Jesus' arrest. He's in the garden, and, and Judas comes and kisses him and betrays him, and the, the authorities, they grab Jesus. And it says there in verse 51 that there was a young man following him wearing only a linen cloth. Why would he only be wearing a linen cloth? And the authorities go after him, and they grab the cloth, and the young man runs off naked. Is that odd? Scholars just skip that verse, right? Preachers, we just skip over that. We don't talk about that because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't seem to match the context. But Mark is doing something really important here. A young man, Neoniskos, the word's only used two times. One at Jesus' arrest and once at the empty tomb. You see, in order to really understand who the young man is, you've got to know church history. You see, in the early church, when people would convert to Christianity, they would be attached to a Christian family in the church, and they would live with that family for three years. They would learn how to pray. They would learn how to do business in a Christian manner, being fair all the time, helping people. They would learn how to serve, how to be generous. They would go to worship each week, study scripture, engage in fellowship with the church. And after three years, they would be baptized. Their baptism would come at Easter vigil. They would fast for 40 days prior. That's how we got the season of Lent, a season of fasting. 
And then at Easter vigil, at the end, they would wear a white cloth. And they would come to the waters and the cloth would be taken away from them and they would be naked. And they would get down into the baptismal waters and be bathed and be put to death, be put to death as the individuals and be rebirthed as children of God, part of God's church, part of God's mission of life for the world. And as they would come up out of the waters, guess what they'd put on them? A white robe. You see, what the gospel writer did is he wrote us into the story. That's us. We're that naked one in the garden that runs away. But then we're that, that, that white-robed one in the tomb announcing that he is risen. He is not here. You see, we get to be drawn out of ourselves. That's what Easter really is about. It's what the resurrection truly is about, being drawn out of ourselves. Not, not just seeing what our eyes can see, not just feeling what our senses uh, experience, but being able to see God in all things, being, to see, be, being able to see each person as a brother or sister recognizing that when one person is oppressed, when one person is hungry, when one person is rejected, we grieve just as the Christ grieves. And our lives are intended to be poured out for the sake of the world in the same way that Jesus poured his life out. Our gifts, our abilities, even our own lives are not our own. We belong to God. We are part of this creation. We were called here to bring light, to bring new light, to point to the light, to let people know who they are. You're children of God. You, you are intimately connected to the creator all the time. And there's nothing you can do to separate yourself from God. And we're, we're all part of one another. When one grieves, we all grieve. When one celebrates, we all celebrate because we're part of each other. We're interconnected. And so on that first Easter morning, as that sun was breaking the horizon and bringing new light into the world, there were, there were women, just a couple of women, that got into this tomb and discovered that a new day had dawned. Not just one new single day, but a new age, a new reality a new way of being. What happened on Friday, the, the violence, the blood, the, the, the suffering, the crying, the dying was over. Now we, we have entered a dawning new day where love and life went. Yeah, there's gonna be pain. There's gonna be struggles. There's gonna be uh, uh, difficulties, but we don't face them alone. We face them with each other. We support each other. We walk together. This is why the church has to be engaged in racial issues. We have to. If there's a race of people saying, hey, we're being oppressed, we don't have a choice. We have to listen. We have to be engaged. This is why we have to go to places like Haiti, where the poorest of the poor are crying out because their children are starving. They don't have medicine for curable diseases. We have to hear the cries and respond because we stand outside of ourselves, ecstasis. We don't just see our own lives, we see all. And we're called to engage where people are struggling and hurting. And until every single human being is whole, 
and well and has opportunity for life, we've got work to do. You know, our values at Abiding Hope of worship, relationship, service, generosity, that is to be our way of life. And it's not just a way of life that we practice ourselves. Like the early church, we're called to draw others into that way of life. We're called to, to reach out to our, our family members, our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates. Uh, uh, everywhere we go, we're called to live that way of life and draw others into it. Doesn't mean we have to bring them to church. We just show them the light and introduce them to the new day, the dawning day, when love and life win. So brothers and sisters, he is risen. I am risen. We are risen. What that means is we have been recreated into new human beings who don't live for ourselves, who don't just experience life through our five senses, but are drawn out of ourselves, ecstasis, to see God in all things, to see each human being as a precious brother or sister, and to pour our lives out so that we and all the world may experience real life in Jesus' name. I pray that you have a blessed Easter and that the light of Christ might shine richly through you, not just today, but every single day, so that we and all the world may experience real life in Jesus' name. God loves each of you, and I do too. Amen.